popular ethno-rock group from Ukraine by the name of Vopli Vidoplasova, and that was their rendition of a traditional Ukrainian folk song uh, going back to the First World War era, and that song was called Marsh Sichovi Strilci, and that translates as March of the Sich Sharpshooters. 
Vitaju vas vsih dorehi radiju suhači na radio peredaču Naš Holos Radio Krinskoho Korinja, jaka podjeće vam u misti Vancouveri što subote o šosti odeni večera na radiostanci AM 1320 CHMB u misti na najmo kožno i srede z 11.00 do 13.00 odene na hveli CHLY 111 FM i po vsemu sviti po mreži PCJ Radio Mižnarodnemu. S vami Pavlina Makwari, djakuju štorišale, perebuta zimnoju na stupnu hodenu. Hello there and welcome to Nash Hollis Ukrainian Roots Radio, coming to you Saturdays at 6 p.m. on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver, Wednesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo, and around the world on AM, FM, shortwave and satellite radio via PCJ Radio International. I'm your host, Paula Temchik-McCory, Pukadinska Pavlina, and I'm delighted to have you with me. We've got a great program lined up for you in Ukrainian Jewish Heritage, Part 2 of our conversation with American author Ruth Gruber, as well a Kanishka Corner book review, and this is a look at a Habsburg royal who fought for Ukrainian independence, as well our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next is a very popular Ukrainian folk singer by the name of Oksana Mucha. Here she is with Porizalam Palchik, I Cut My Finger.
Обіцяв женитися, обіцяв любитися Про весілля говорили, гостей запросили Та не знав тоді ніхто, що не піду за нього Можу навіть задрімати Кажуть люди, він такий багатий і красивий А я вийду за того, хто буде серцю милий А я хочу додому, до рідної хати А я хочу від тебе до мами, до тата А я хочу додому, до рідної хати А я хочу від тебе до мами, до тата traditional Ukrainian folk song about young love and courtship and all that kind of stuff. That was Mariana Ilkiv with Svetanya. And up next, Cherem Shena from Montreal, one of my favorite girl groups, with a wonderful folk song, a favorite of mine, but I always felt it was a bit risky playing it since it's about an illegal substance. However, as of today, that won't be illegal in Canada anymore, so I guess I don't need to worry about being carted off to jail anymore whenever I play the song. Cherem Shena from Montreal with Posiella Baba Konopel, Granny Planted Hemp. Juravel, 
Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. This is Radio Peredachu Nash Holos, Radio Krinskoho Korinya, na radio stansi CHLY Stoadenisim FM Umisti Nanaimo. And now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now, brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. This is Pavlina, producer and host of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Ruth Ellen Gruber is an American journalist, author, editor, and researcher. Her book, Jewish Heritage Travel, A Guide to Eastern Europe, was first published over 25 years ago and is still considered the most complete Jewish travel guide to the region. We first learned about Ruth and a bit about her work last year in an episode of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage dealing with dark tourism, which involves travel to places historically associated with death and tragedy. Ruth's work, however, sheds light on Jewish heritage sites with the goal of keeping alive the memory of Jewish life in Europe through the restoration of physical reminders. Last week, we spoke with Ruth Ellen Gruber about her early career as a foreign correspondent in Europe, her run-in with the communist government in Poland during the time of Solidarity, and her travel guide. In part two of our two-part interview, we discuss her other books, a website she collates with information about Jewish heritage sites in Europe, as well as her work in Ukraine. So Ruth, you're American-born, but you have roots in Eastern Europe. Where, does your, where do your ancestors hail from? My father's parents came from uh, the village, and then they moved to the town, which today is in Romania. It's oh. in the Bukovina uh, area. When they when they left, it was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Oh, okay, yeah. But today it's in Romania. And my mother's grandparents came from a village that today, I mean, yes, I guess it was in Polish lands, but Poland didn't exist on the map when they left. They okay. left in the 1880s. Okay. And the town, Calvaria, is now the border town in Lithuania with Poland. Okay. But, you know, Poland did not exist as a as a state right. at, at the time they left. Right, right. And um, so both of my mother's parents were born in the United States. And my father was born in the United States, but his parents were born in this okay. 
this uh, area that's now northern Romania. So, okay, so yeah, so you're American, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, so last year you you had a, a lecture in Lviv. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that was you know kind of how we found out about about you and connected with you and did that piece on dark tourism last year. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me about your work in Ukraine. Um, my first trip to Ukraine came in 2006 when I was researching the latest edition of Jewish Heritage Travel. And I traveled extensively through, I guess, Western Ukraine as far as Kiev and down, you know, Chernivtsi, but mostly in Western Ukraine because that's where most of the Jewish Heritage sites are, historic ones. Mm -hmm. And then in 2008... I was invited to give the keynote talk at a conference organized uh, by what was then the new Center for Urban History in Lviv. And my my talk grew out of a book that I had published in 2002 called Virtually Jewish, Reinventing Jewish Culture in Europe, about the involvement of non-Jewish people with Jewish culture, Jewish heritage, Jewish traditions, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. And so at this conference, or I guess after this conference, Several of us sat around and discussed, you know, what were the possibilities of rediscovering or, let's say, re-evoking or bringing to the fore, sort of recapturing the Jewish history of Lviv. Because Lviv, you know, before the war was roughly one-third Jewish, one-third Polish, one-third Ukrainian, Mm -hmm. but the Jews were killed, the Mm -hmm. Poles sent away. And most of the population by now were newcomers who came in from the East. And this history sort of, you know, it was hidden history in a Mm -hmm. way, uh, especially to people who didn't have their roots there. Mm -hmm. And uh, we we had long discussion about how to commemorate the Jewish history, what to do. And this led to the design competition for commemorative memorials Mm -hmm. at three Jewish historical sites in Lviv the downtown area, the site of the synagogues, space of synagogues, mm-hmm. the um, Yanovsky camp, and the one part of the old Jewish cemetery that has not been built over. Most of the cemetery is built over by the Krakowski market. Yes. But there's a place oh. by the former Jewish uh, hospital which hasn't been built over. And so I was on the international jury for this competition, so I was back in Lviv at the end of 2010 to to choose the winning designs for this, along with, uh, I can't remember how many other people were on the jury, but I think there were three of us who were sort of representing Jewish interest, you know, to make sure things accorded with, with tradition or halakhic or Jewish law or whatever. Sure. And then since then, I've been in, you know, in close contact with um, with the Center for Jewish History and with other people in Lviv. And then I've been back a couple other times to travel or to give a lecture like I did last summer. I was back for the dedication of the spaces of synagogues, which was so far the only one of the three sites where the monument has has been um, at least almost completed. Mm -hmm. And I took part in a conference there. And last year I was very happy to be able to travel around for a few days after my lecture to, to revisit sites, to update, to see what's been going on. And the information um, of, I guess, the, the work that you do at these sites and the restoration and all that is on your website that you coordinate, right? It's Jewish Heritage yeah. Europe. Yes. I, I run the website, Jewish Heritage Europe, 
which is a project of the Rothschild Foundation, Hanadiv Europe. And let's see, I've been doing this since 2012. You know, the work I've done in Ukraine is either on that website, but the work I did prior to this website going online can be found elsewhere. In, in my book, in the latest edition of Jewish Heritage Europe, where I have a whole chapter on Jewish heritage in, uh, in Ukraine, and also on a Jewish heritage blog I keep, and then I wrote articles based on my trips and things like that. But I think the latest information is, is on um, the, the space of synagogues, and I think there's the video of my lecture last year in Lviv is up online, and I think I yes. put it on the Jewish Heritage Europe website. Yes, it's there, and it's on your blog as well. So uh, can you give us the um, addresses online? So the Jewish Heritage Europe website is jewish-heritage-europe.eu. And this website is, I would say, the most comprehensive portal to up-to-date news and information and insight mm-hmm. about Jewish heritage and Jewish heritage issues in 48 countries. There's a, a news feed every other day or every, sometimes more. I post or articles about what's happening with projects or cleanups or photo essays about Jewish heritage sites. But there's also resource information and and static information Mm -hmm. on individual sections for for all the 48 countries, as well as photo galleries and and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then I have a personal website, which is ruthellengruber.com. And then, I, you know, people always ask me, would there be another edition of the Jewish Heritage Travel Book. Mm-hmm. And as I said, the, the latest edition came out already 11 years ago, mm-hmm. 2007. Mm-hmm. And I, I basically said no, because things change too fast sure. to keep up. And so I started a blog, jewish-heritage-travel.blogspot.com, to try to update what was in that book. Mm-hmm. And I kept it going quite actively for quite some time. Now that blog is somewhat dormant because I put most of my energy into putting what I would put on that blog, I put on the Jewish Heritage Europe website. Sure. Okay. And there, you know, there's Facebook pages and Mm -hmm. Twitter and all that sort of stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's um, that's great. Congratulations on, on this project, what you know, turned out just from your, your curiosity and starting to chronicle uh, and make a diary of, of places that you visited, what, some 30 years ago. It's so um, illuminating to find out how much was lost. It, it, I, just, oh, yeah. I shudder to think, Ruth, what would the world be like now? if the Holocaust hadn't happened? If is a big question. And unfortunately, the Holocaust did happen. And in Eastern Europe, it was followed by repressive regimes, which also tried to suppress Jewish culture, Jewish practice, and all of that. In much of the time in communist countries, Jewish culture, Jewish heritage, it was was basically a taboo subject. And with the democratic changes, that took place in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, that really sort of opened up the door to what we all had hoped and hoped still would be an honest discussion of these issues and what happened and what can be done. It allowed people to practice the religion freely again. Mm-hmm. It allowed people like the, the person whom you mentioned to discover their, their past, their, their roots. Mm-hmm. 
and to act on it. You know, I remember in the 1990s in Poland, this is a very common situation in Poland for people to discover that they're Jewish hmm. when they're adults hmm. or just that they have Jewish roots or something. And for many people in the 1990s, it was a real trauma because it had been such a sort of taboo thing and the memory and also the reality of anti-Semitism is still, mm-hmm. you know, still basically everywhere mm-hmm. to one degree or another. Mm-hmm. It was a trauma for a lot of people. And in the 90s in Poland, there was even a sort of SOS hotline was set up for people that they can call if they found out wow. that they had Jewish background, wow. how, what they should do, <laughs> how to act. There was no Internet then. Right. You know, now, it's, now it's a lot easier. You can go online and sort of personally, in, in the mm-hmm. privacy of your home, basically try to work out certain things mm-hmm. and also find groups of people on social media and, and connect. You mm-hmm. can connect in ways that were very, very difficult, if not impossible, even 20, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a lot of positive things that have happened, but, you know, there's a lot of negativity out there still, too. Sure. Well, thank you so much for, for your time, for sharing all this information, for the work that you do and continue to do. Thank you so much. Sure. Thanks for talking. Ruth Ellen Gruber, American journalist, writer, editor, and researcher, now living and working in Europe. She's the author of Jewish Heritage Travel, A Guide to Eastern Europe, Upon the Doorposts of Thy House, Jewish Life in East Central Europe, Yesterday and Today, and other books. As well, she runs the Jewish Information Portal website, Jewish Heritage Europe. You can follow her and her work there, as well as at her personal blog, ruthellengruber.com. I'm Pavlina, producer and host of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Thank you for listening. Until next time, Shalom. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com.
що десь я маю їй сказати Чи не пила вчора мати Тарас Вага, чи не пила вчора мати Тарас Stacey Yerofimova with a group called Dovira. They are from Toronto doing some very interesting, innovative music. And that was their rendition of a traditional Ukrainian folk song, Yicho Yicho Kozak Mistom, a Kozak rode into town. Nahadu Vesluhite Radio Programu Nash Holos Radio Nashaho Korinia. Nahveli CHLY store Danny Seam FM Umistinanimo. Primikrofoni Pavlina. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio coming to you on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm your host this hour, Pavlina. Up next is a Step Back in Time with a group that's been I think they're still around in Ukraine. I don't know if they're still uh, performing or not, but uh, they have uh, recorded prolifically and they were very, very popular for a few decades. They are Trio Marenich, and here they are now with Chomtina Show. Why Didn't You Come? Oh, 
Corner book reviews by Myra Junik. Ukrainian stories in English. In this edition of Knishka Corner, we will be discussing Timothy Snyder's The Red Prince, The Secret Lives of a Habsburg Archduke. Who can resist a romantic Habsburg hero who openly embraces the cause of Ukrainian nationalism in the early 20th century? Wilhelm von Habsburg was such a man. Although he died in obscurity in a Russian prison in 1948, Wilhelm made the creation of a Ukrainian nation the cause of his life. As the son of Archduke Stefan and Archduchess Maria Theresia, Wilhelm led a very privileged life along with his five brothers and sisters. At the time, Their family still ruled the Habsburg monarchy, Europe's proudest and oldest realm, stretching from the mountains of Ukraine in the north to the warm water of the Adriatic Sea in the south. Wilhelm's parents had castles on a peninsula called Istria on the Adriatic Sea and in Poland. His father believed that Poland would eventually become a separate entity, and would need a Habsburg king. He hoped to be that king. During his time at military school in Moravia, Wilhelm became interested in the idea of a Ukrainian state. Perhaps he could eventually rule Ukraine for the Habsburg monarchy. In 1914, Crown Prince Franz Ferdinand, the Habsburg heir, was assassinated in Sarajevo. World War I followed. Service during wartime was the destiny of Habsburg Archdukes. In June 1915, Wilhelm received command of a platoon in a mostly Ukrainian regiment. He soon became one of them. By speaking Ukrainian, wearing an embroidered shirt under his uniform, and calling himself Vasil. His soldiers nicknamed him the Red Prince because of his support of the Ukrainian peasantry. Eventually, Wilhelm became the diplomatic representative of the Habsburgs in Ukraine. 
He met several prominent Ukrainians, including Metropolitan Andriy Sheptitsky and Hetman Skoropadsky. At the end of the war, the empire had fallen apart, and the Habsburgs had to give up power. Wilhelm's dream of a Ukrainian nation did not survive. After World War I, Wilhelm was at loose ends. His resources were slim after the fall of the Habsburgs, so he was constantly searching for new sources of income. He promoted various unsuccessful schemes, such as making Ukraine a promised land for European Jews. He left Vienna for Spain to visit his Habsburg relative, King Alfonso. He later moved to Paris, where he continued to promote the Ukrainian cause and live a playboy lifestyle, characterized by excessive drinking, homosexuality, and reckless spending. Forced to flee Paris for Vienna after a conviction for fraud in 1935, Wilhelm watched the rise of Hitler and the Nazi party. How would Wilhelm adapt to this new reality? Timothy Snyder weaves in wonderful anecdotes about the Habsburg dynasty into his comprehensive examination of the life of the Red Prince. He does not shy away from the controversial aspects of Wilhelm's life, his homosexuality, his drinking, his scheming, and his short-lived anti-Semitism during the early days of Hitler. Readers will be surprised by Wilhelm's role as a promoter of the Ukrainian nation at a time when such a concept was considered remote at best. It is truly fitting that Snyder concludes his book with an examination of the independent Ukraine, which Wilhelm helped to build. It should also be noted that this book was written in 2008. Snyder's praise of Ukraine is ironic. Simply by existing for almost two decades within unchanged boundaries, Ukraine has already proven more durable than most of its predecessors. Who could have imagined that Ukraine's territory of Crimea would be invaded in 2014 by Russia? Timothy Snyder received his doctorate from the University of Oxford in 1997. Before joining the Department of History at Yale in 2001, he studied in Paris, Vienna, and Warsaw. Snyder has written articles for the New York Review of Books, The Nation, The New York Times, and the International Herald Tribune. His award-winning books include Bloodlands, Europe Between Hitler and Stalin, Ukrainian History, Russian Politics, European Futures, and Black Earth, The Holocaust as History and Warning. In 2015, Snyder received the Andrew Carnegie Fellowship as well as the Havel Foundation Prize. He is a member of the Committee on Conscience of the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum as well as the Advisory Council of the YIVO Institute for Jewish Research. The Red Prince is available at Chapters Indigo and Amazon. Thanks, Myra. Join us again soon for another edition of Kanishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Головна мета Ukraine War Amps – це допомога пораненим воїнам та патріотам, які захищають свободу своєї країни у сьогоднішній війні за Україну. 
Ukraine War Amps представляє програму «Всинови солдата». З вашою підтримкою наша організація зможе передавати принаймні 50 доларів США щомісяця для цільової підтримки якомога більшого числа українських героїв. 100% зібраних коштів буде передано напряму героям, пораненим у війні за Україну. Програма «Всинови солдата» будує унікальний зв'язок між вами і солдатом, якого ви підтримуєте. Все починається з вас. Візьміть під опіку солдата. Підтримайте героя України. Якось я родився в полі при луні. Були дуже раді родичі мої. Отці я родився в полі при луні. Дуже були раді родичі мої. Хей, отці я ярема, уха, 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 ха. Отці я ярема, мудра голова. Отці я ярема, уха, 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 ха. Отці я ярема, мудра голова. Став я підростати до школи ходити. Став мене учитель грамоті учити. У тебе я рева, мудра голова, але в твоїм лобі олії рева, як? Отже я, я рева, уха, 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 ха, отже я, я рева, мудра голова, отже я, я рева, уха, 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 ха, отже я, я рева, мудра голова. Став я підростати, Парубком я став, сказав мені батько, щоб я жінку взяв. Взяв собі я жінку, як мед з калачем, Трині по весіллі втекла з панечем. Отже я, ярема, уха, 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 ха. Отже я, ярема, мудра голова. Отже я, ярема, уха, 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 ха. Отже я, ярема, мудра голова. Собі я жінку, як мед з калачем, Крині по весіллю втекла з панечем. Став я доганяти, по столи згубив, А прийшов додому, ще й батько набив. Отже я, ярема, уха, 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 ха, Отже я, ярема, мудра голова. Отже я, ярема, уха, 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 ха, Отже я, ярема, мудра голова. Отже я, ярема, уха, 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 ха, Отже я, ярема, мудра голова. Отже я, ярема, уха, 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 ха, Отже я, ярема, мудра голова. Anatoly Rudenko and the Folklore Ensemble Kiev with a song about that smart guy, Yarema. Up next, from Toronto, Zirka, and from a live recording, here they are. You're going to need your dancing boots for this one, Hansu. Забудь 
from Steinbeck, Manitoba. That was the By Request Band from their CD, Ukrainian Boys Gone Wild. That was the Honeysuckle Waltz. And up next, we're going to pick up the pace a little bit with another group from that area. This group is from Winnipeg. They're called Molodsi, which means young people. Here they are with a song that tells the sad story about a young guy who has to drink and dance alone. Sampyu Samhuyayu. And our proverb of the week translates as, Not everyone who teaches knows the truth. 
And that brings us to the end of the first hour of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. Please stay with us as Oksana takes over the microphone to host the next hour. Meanwhile, please join me here again next Wednesday from 11 a.m. till 12 noon. And until then, do stay in touch with both Oksana and me via our Facebook page and Twitter. If you're able to catch the live transmission of the show, make sure to use the fantastic new media player at www.chly.ca. If you miss the live transmission of any show, you can always catch the podcast. There's a media player as well as a link to the Nash Holos podcast feed at our website, www.nashholos.com. We're also on Mixcloud, along with the other fine programs here on CHLY 101.7 FM. So please do follow us there. So stay tuned next for the Nash Holos Ukrainian Hour with Oksana, followed by Wellness Wednesday to learn how to be healthy naturally. And at 2 p.m., join Gord Bibby for two hours of great oldies on Groovin' with Bibby G. I'm Pavlina. Thanks so much for listening. Do zusrichi.
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.